the Spirit of God is saying to him from the holy written word, the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Mark 16. And with our 20th church anniversary coming up next Sunday. Remember, next Sunday we'll have the regular service at 10 o'clock. The only thing is, is we're going to have tables set up instead of the chairs like they are now. Tables with the chairs, you know. And my wife and I are going to share about the uh, last 20 years, some of the highlights. And then uh, it'll be a good time. And then after uh, we're finished with that, it'll take about an hour. So from 10 until 11. And then we'll uh, then we're going to have dinner from the pasta or lunch, I should say, from the pasta house. And it's going to be good. There's no cost to anyone. Everyone's welcome. And uh, just come get in on that. Invite people to come. It'll be good. It'll be good. Bring them. Well, Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish, so it'll be it'll be fine. But come, it'll be good. It'll be a good time. How many like pasta house? And, and so, but uh, so it'll be good next Sunday. But uh, Diane, my wife, ran across an article recently giving ten indications that a church is successfully making disciples. And when I saw that article, there were there were ten ten, ten things. It was a checklist. I'm titling this checklist for success, and there's the there's the overhead of it or the projection of it. Checklist for success. And when I read through those ten items, I, I went and got my pen and I looked at the list to see how many items I could check off concerning this church to see how we're doing, to see how successful we are at making disciples. You know, success is defined differently by different people. By different groups. The world will define success in certain terms. Even the church world will define success in certain terms. Now remember, success is simply this. Doing what God told you to do to the best of your ability. If that's what you're doing... You're doing it with all your heart, with a good and a right heart. You're being willing and obedient to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Then you are successful. Regardless of what the world might say or even the church world might say. Are you doing what God has told you to do to the very best of your ability with a good and willing heart? And so I want to look at this church. And just see how successful we are. Before I get to the checklist, though, in Mark 16, verse 15, New King James Version is the version I typically use. So that's what we'll have here today. Mark 16, 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, every person, you know. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So here he's talking about winning the lost. Think about that. Jesus last message to his disciples before, you know, after he was raised from the dead, his last message to his disciples before he was taken up and seated at the right hand of the father. He tells them here in Mark's account, he tells them to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Well, that's what we're doing with our track. We're going out and preaching the gospel, aren't we? And, and, and you can, you don't just have to hand your track to somebody and walk off. You can 
with your words, share Jesus as well, you know. But some people struggle with that. But all of us can, can hand a track or lay a track somewhere. But that's us going into all the world preaching the gospel. And the aim there is to bring the unbeliever to Christ that they would believe on Jesus and be saved. But you see, Mark gives the account of the salvation side of what Jesus said. But look at Matthew 28 because there was another side to it. Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe. Notice this. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, here Jesus says, go and make disciples. Now, in Mark's account, he said, go and preach the gospel. And he's talking about believers there. Here he's talking about making disciples. Well, which one is correct? Well, they both are. He said both things. To get a full picture of what uh, of the life and ministry of Jesus, you can't just look at one gospel account. You have to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, put them together, and then you get the whole picture. So Jesus said both of these things. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. He said, go out. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, you see, it's one thing to believe on Jesus, and then it's another thing to become a disciple. You see, when you, when, with a repentant heart, when you believe on Jesus, that's where you get saved. And that's where most people stop. They become a Christian, and that's where they stop. They never go on and become a disciple. And the reason is, is because you see the word disciple, the root there is dis- discipline. See, to be a disciple, you have to be a disciplined one. It, it, you know, to, to be a believer, it doesn't take a whole lot of discipline. And salvation is a free gift from God by grace. We believe on Jesus. We get saved. We're believing on him with all of our heart. That doesn't take a whole lot. On our part, but it does take a great bit on our part to become a disciple because it takes discipline. Notice in John 831, John 831 brings this out. Jesus actually brings this out very clearly here. John 831. Notice Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, who believed him. So he's talking to people that that are believers He says, if you abide in my word, you are my what? My disciples indeed. See, there's a difference between believers and then being a disciple. Now, listen carefully. All disciples are believers. But not all believers are disciples. Did you get what I just said? said all believers are not necessarily disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't want to just be a believer. I want to go on and be a disciple of Christ. How about you? Now, now, if all you are is a believer and you're believing on him with all your heart, not 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 your head. Now, if all you are, if all you are is believing on Jesus with mental assent with your head, then, then you didn't get saved. 
There's a lot of Christian, a lot of people think they're Christians in the land. They've had a mental experience with Christ, but you notice their life never does change much. Do you ever notice that? A lot of people have a hold of Jesus with their mind. Mental assent. But if you want to get born again, you've got to get a hold of him with your heart. You've got to sell out to it. And that's becoming a believer. But there's a difference between being a believer and then going on and being a disciple. To be a disciple, what did he say here? You have to abide in the word of God. You have to stay in the word of God. Verse 32 then says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So can you see there's a difference between a believer and then being a disciple? And one of the things is, if you want to be a disciple, you have to get in the word of God. You have to abide in the word of God. You have to stay in the word of God on a regular basis. Actually, before I get to this checklist, I went back in my notes and from years past as I've taught on being a disciple of the Lord. You find other things that 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 qualify you as a disciple. Uh, We notice here staying in the word of God. There's another scripture that talks about if you if you're a disciple, you keep your body under control. You discipline your body. And then there's another scripture where Jesus said that. If you have love one for another, then you're my disciples indeed. Remember him saying that? I've noticed that over the many years, all believers don't necessarily love their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you ever notice that? See, you have believers, they believe on the Lord Jesus, but they don't walk in love as they should. Well, if they, when they die, they'll go to heaven, all right. But, but they're not a disciple. They're not walking in love. Okay? And then... There's another scripture that says disciples bear much fruit. What does that mean? They have love about them, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I've met a lot of believers over the years. They really believe on the Lord Jesus with all of their heart, but they're not very faithful. You know what I mean when I said faithful? You know, the definition of faithfulness, always doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it with a good and right attitude. Not all believers do that. I said, not all believers do that. Uh, What is faithfulness? Always doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it with a good and right attitude. A lot of believers don't do that. See, they're believers, but not disciples. And then another qualification to be a disciple is you put Jesus first before anything else. He's first. You're you're willing to forsake all for him. And so these are some things that that I noted from my notes over the years of of what a disciple is. But then this checklist that my wife found, this is what I really want to get to because I took my pen and I started thinking, you know, well, now have we produced some disciples over the years here at Summit Church? How many of these ten things, and I'll go through them fairly quickly, how many of these ten things do we do, do we meet? How many of these can we put a check mark on or how many of these can't we put a check mark on or we need to work on? Well, let, let, I'll just give these to you as, as they were in this article. The first one is, this is checklist for discipleship. Here it is. Number one, those who have been in the church the longest complain the least. Those who have been in the church the longest complain the the least. And I got to thinking about that and I took my, you have a pencil or a pen? Here's one right here. And I, and I, when I said that, when I read that rather, those who have been in the church the longest complain the least, I put a check mark there because that's true. Some of you 
have been with us since the days of the school when we started way back some 20 years ago in the school, Rockwood Summit High School up the road here. And you've been with us faithfully, some of you, for almost that entire time. And the ones that have started with us way back yonder, I can't remember any of you guys ever complaining or crabbing about anything, ever causing any issues or problems. Is that wonderful? Is that wonderful? I mean, some of you have had a suggestion here and there. That's great. That's fine. But this article was talking about complaining and Those who have been in the church the longest complain the least. Isn't that wonderful? We've been very successful on that. And this this article with each of these points, this uh, article gave a scripture. And for the sake of time, I'll just quote it uh, to you. But he gave Philippians chapter two. He said, do all things. This this fellow that wrote this article, do all things without complaining and disputing. And you got you all have done that. Those of you have been, who have been with us the longest, you complain the least. That's good. Now, here was the second one. The leaders of the church are most likely to give up their seats, parking spots, or do whatever is necessary to be a blessing to others. And when I looked at that, I took my pen and checkmarked that. We got that one. I remember uh, years ago uh, when we first moved in the building and uh, we we, uh, we had at that at that point, we had lots of folk, lots more folk coming at that point. And it got to the point we, we had to put a little parking lot out here to deal with the overflow at that time. And uh, I remember we asked the leaders, would you please park over in that parking lot? So that the visitors and whatnot, the different ones that would come, would be able to park over here on the asphalt. And everybody was just so happy to do that. See, that's that's a mark of a, a disciple. So that's good. That's good. So we're two for two. Doing good. He said here, the verse this guy gave was Matthew 23. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And so that's a mark of a disciple. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, how many remembers the Apostle Paul? And he said he bore in his body the marks of a disciple, the marks that, well, actually, he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, is what he said. But would you agree the Apostle Paul was a disciple, not just a believer? And he had physical marks where they beat him up. Now, here in the United States, we typically don't get beat up for our believing in Jesus, but they do, and, and being a disciple, they do in other parts of the world, though, don't they? Don't they? Oh, yeah. And worse. But, uh, you know, so he bore physical marks in his body, but we should have these spiritual marks about us. We should be, you know, as disciples, we should be not just believers, but disciples. We should be in the word of God, you know, stay in the word of God, walk in love, so on and so forth. And so how many of these marks do we have in our in our uh, in our body? So. Do the leaders of the church, would they give up their seats or their their parking spots or whatever for to bless others? And yes, check, check on that. You know, there's some churches where people get their seats. And if anybody comes in, a visitor comes in and sits in their seat, they they crab and complain about it. Did you know that? Do you realize that? Do you realize that happens probably every Sunday somewhere, probably a lot throughout this nation? Man, they got my seat. 
He took my seat. I've been sitting there. I always sit there. Huh? Aren't you glad we don't have that in this church? There's a, did you know there's a lot of Christians out there? Did you know that? How many of you, you that's the truth? That's my seat. I always sit there. Oh, grow up. How come when Joan Rivers says that, everybody laughs? When I say it, you sit there and like, oh, grow up. <laughs> come on, guys. I remember I had to deal with this when we first came here. Isn't it sad that Joan Rivers, that, that bothered me. Well, she was a vile woman. You know, Jesus died for her too, didn't he? I said, didn't he? That's sad, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. I feel impressed to say it. But, you know, just I, I'm not picking on her. And, and what was that other guy? that Mark. Yeah, yeah. Is that sad? Isn't that sad? So isn't that sad? I didn't intend to say that right here, but it just seemed good to the Spirit of God. Say it right here. Isn't that sad what happened to him? Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? And then, and then what's really sad is people get up and say, well, they're, they're in heaven making God laugh. Now, I'm not the judge. How many of you glad I'm not the judge? But all you got to do is look at somebody's life. I never saw any, anything in Robin Williams' life or in Joan Rivers' life that convinced me they were a Christian. When a Christian dies, they go to heaven. But when, when a sinner, a heathen, sinner dies, the Bible said, Hell from beneath has moved to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. It talks about the rich man. that Mark, the 16th chapter. The man who, who he, he died and went to hell. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He, wasn't, he didn't go to hell because he had money. He went to hell because money had him and he didn't have time for Moses and the prophets who, who teach Jesus, preach Jesus. And Jesus said, And in hell he, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Sad, isn't it? I don't know why I said that right there, but just because, you know, when, when, when people die, you know, then, then people get real religious. Say, well, they went to heaven, they're making God laugh. No, I'll tell you for sure by the Spirit of God, when both, I'm not the judge, but I'll tell you by the Spirit of God, when both those two that I just called their names died, they're, they're, uh, the Bible says that God weeps at the death of the sinner. Did you hear me? Now, when a Christian dies, he, he take, you see, God sees death a lot differently than, than, than we do. You know, when a Christian dies, he, 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 rejo- he, he rejoices because the, the Christian goes to be in his presence, you see. And the Christian rejoices too. When the sinner dies, there's no place for rejoicing. Now, why I said that there, I don't know. But maybe somebody needed to hear it. But you need to realize that nah, 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 nah. there's a lot of nanny nanny Christians. Is that right? You ever met any nanny nanny Christians? How many of you are a nanny nanny? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're not laughing. Because um, I had to deal with this. I, oh my! I had to deal with this some time ago when I, I didn't have a, my spot marked years ago. I didn't want a pastor's spot I, because I parked way down there at the end. But then one of the People in church said, no, pastor, put your, put your spot out there. Put your spot out there. Put, put, so I had them put a reserve for the pastors. <laughs> so, okay. 
And, uh, you know, after I got to parking there for a while, I pulled on the lot one time and somebody took my spot. And you know what went through my mind? How dare anybody park in my spot? Can't they read? We need to get them a reading. You know, I, I was, you know what? I reverted there for a minute to a Christian. I needed to repent, didn't I? How if I wrote a book, the nya 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 nya, how do you spell that? N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A? Am I boring you all? Yeah, I, it, feels like, it seems like I'm boring you. You're just nervous about these other seven. <laughs> well, if we quit right now, we'd, we'd, we'd be in good shape. Here, number three. The church celebrates most when those far from faith come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I know that's true. I know that's true. When, we, when somebody comes forward to get saved, you all rejoice and, and are glad. So, so put the check mark on that. Now then, number, so we're doing good. Number four, members care that others' needs are met more than their own. And I thought through that, and I said, yeah, over the 20 years, we've done that. Members care that others need, the ones that have stuck with us and have been with us the longest period of time, you know. Yeah, so we're good. And the scripture that this fellow gave here was Philippians 2, let each of you Look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So so we've seen that. Number five, the church is willing to make sacrifices to attract the lost. The church is willing to make sacrifices to attract the lost. And on that one, I went to put a check mark, but I, I, I really I couldn't put a check mark on that one. Uh but we're doing better. And remember some months ago, we already talked about it, but we, we'd re- we really had gotten to the point, at least the bulk of what I, of the people that I was aware of. You know, it's real easy to, to become Sunday morning Christians. Did you know that? Real easy to become Sunday morning Christians. You get up, you go to church, you do your hour, hour and a half, whatever it is. And you go out and have lunch or whatever. And that's what a lot of Christians do on Sunday mornings. And it it becomes more like a social club. You know, a church should not ought to be a social club. And a church shouldn't ought to be, should not ought to be, should not be an entertainment center. Can anybody say amen? I'll say that again. A church should not be a social club. There should be social activities going on. But the main reason you come to church should not be to have donuts and coffee. You shouldn't come to serve donuts and coffee. You should come to serve Jesus. Is that right? Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah. That's the only sign that we've ever put up that ever got vandalized. Our sign out there, I, I felt impressed to the Lord to put this up. I really did some years ago. We serve Jesus, not donuts. Think about that. And somebody vandalized that sign. They didn't like that one. They broke in into the sign and did something or other to it. I don't know who did. I, do what? Do what? Wasn't Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Dunkin' Donuts might have been Krispy Kreme got in there and got that. <laughs> That's good. But if you think about it, we should come to serve Jesus, not donuts. 
We ought to be more excited about Jesus than Krispy Kreme. Is that right? You know, there's a lot of Christians are more excited about Krispy Kreme than they are Jesus. When I got up years ago, said by the Spirit of God, and I'm all for the Rams. I, I really am and all that. But I love Jesus more than the Rams. And I stood up under the anointing of the Spirit of God that one Sunday morning. And when this city was going, when the Rams were, were on their way to the Super Bowl. And, and, and this city was going, I'm talking Christian, born again, spirit-filled Christians. Were, I mean, they were going nuts. Nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes more important than Jesus, then there is something wrong with it. And I said, I, I said this, I said, I said, a lamb died on Calvary, not a ram. And, and, and you, I mean, there's people ready to take me out. You know how they were ready to take Jesus to the brow of the hill and throw him over? There's people wanting to gang up and get me on that one. Had one guy tell me, you've gone too far on that one, Pastor. He left. He didn't like it. Isn't that something? <laughs> so, the Lord directed me some weeks ago, months ago, whatever. We need to do these tracks. We need to be... We need to be quick to share Jesus with people. And so our church hasn't always, I have to be, you want me to be honest. I I mean, the church, this church hasn't always been willing to make sacrifices to attract the lost. But something we're working on, we're doing better. So we're doing better. Amen. I remember, I do want to share this. I remember about five years ago, um, I'd ask Different people, I'd ask different ones, would you like to see the church grow? And I, I didn't get one yes. I got some definite maybes. Now you think about that sometimes. Just think about that. And, and if the church is growing, you'd like to think it's because people are getting saved and coming to the Lord, right? Isn't that what this is all really about? And, and you'd be surprised. I had people tell me, well, I... I, I I like it to grow a little bit. Well, so you, what you just told me is you want us to stop one person short of your loved one getting saved. Is that right? Well, I didn't mean it that way, the fellow said. But think about that. And then the Spirit of God directed me. Because back in those days, in the early days of this church, we had services that were built to just minister to, to people who were informed about spiritual things. And where does that leave the uninformed at? You can go read 1 Corinthians, and I think it's in chapter 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. He talks about the church service, and he talks about that that the services, you know, certainly there needs to be things in services for people who are mature, and there should be the meat of the word and all of that. But but that's back in the early days of this church, that's all it was. Every Sunday was I'd teach the meat of the word. And, and, you know, if a, if a baby Christian came in or somebody that had, didn't know anything about spiritual things at all, you know, they didn't have a chance. And the Spirit of God began to deal with my heart that I wasn't walking in love towards, uh, you know, sinners and, 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 and uh, uninformed Christians, you know. And uh, those of you who are with us back in those days, you, you know, it's, 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 it's a bit different now than it was then. Because you see, the services, what had happened is they became a time where informed Christians would get together and have bless me services. That's what it was. And if you had people that didn't know too much about the Bible come in or whatever, they, they'd leave more confused than when they got there. Now, it should not be that way. So I had to adjust some things. 
And, and actually, we back five years ago, that was the same time that I asked different ones if they wanted to grow. The Spirit of God directed me to, to move this church more in line with the flow of the Spirit of God. And I did. But back there then, people that want to just have bless me services, and I know a lot about the Bible, and, and I know a lot about the spiritual gifts, and, 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 and I just want to come and have a bless me service. Most all of those people left. Mass exodus back in that hour. But you know, we just went right on, and we've made it to the present hour. Amen. And if I had to do it over, I'd do the same thing. Because, you see, the church should not just be here to minister and, and bless people that know a lot of stuff. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we, we need to have stuff for those people, too. There needs to be meat. See, being a pastor, I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm like a chef. You know what I'm saying? I, I have to serve up different kinds of meals, you know. And, and there's sometimes that we, we, we do do the banana split stuff. And there's sometimes we, we, we have steak. And there's sometimes we have salad. Sometimes mashed potatoes. And sometimes they'll throw a popsicle at you, you know. So we've had, so we haven't always been the best on this one, but we're, realize, say we're doing better. Yeah, we are. Okay. Now here's, here, I need to go quick. Number six, there is joy even during suffering. My brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I think any pastor, any pastor would probably have trouble checking that one because how many of you like suffering? I'm not talking about sickness and disease now. Jesus redeemed us from sickness and disease. But you know, when you live for, when you live godly in Christ Jesus, doesn't the Bible say you'll suffer persecution? Is, is that right? Didn't Paul say that? How many likes to suffer? <laughs> so I couldn't really put a mark on, check mark on that one. I, I put a half. You know how you'd put a check mark like that? On that one, I just put one of those, you know. It's just, couldn't put the full check mark. I don't think any pastor, I don't know that anybody's ever developed their congregation to the point where people enjoy suffering. But that's what this guy had in the article. But I tell you what, real loud, say, count it all joy when I fall into various trials. But I think if you're a disciple, you'll do that. Hard to do, but it's doable. Here's number seven. We got ten of these. We're almost done. Number seven, the teaching is a balance of grace and truth. Teaching from the pulpit is a balance of grace and truth. Notice, I want you to turn to this one, John one seventeen. John one seventeen. The Bible says the law was given through Moses, but grace and what? Grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is that right? Came through Jesus Christ. Was not now. When Jesus, if you look at Jesus preaching and teaching, did he just preach on grace without truth? No. Did he just preach truth without grace? No. They're real loud say grace and truth. Grace and truth. So the question was, this, this pulpit, this, me as a pastor, has the teaching been a balance of grace and truth? I'll let you put the check on that one, but judging myself, I, put, I could put a check there real fast. Because I have endeavored from the day we started this ministry... 20 years ago, to teach the Word of God and to teach it without compromise. Now, 
What I said a while ago is I had to make some adjustments and not just serve up, you know, steak dinners all the time, you know, meat. I I had to make some adjusting and and I had to learn to use the word of God. You know, as a pastor, you can use the word of God as a scalpel or you can use it as a machete. Now, when we first started, there were some services where years ago I'd use the word of God as a machete and I just take the word of God and slice people up, you know. But I've had to learn to not use it as a machete, but use the word of God as a as a, a surgeon would use a scalpel. And and I take the word of God and I trim things off of you that shouldn't be there. And so that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day, when the fire of God judges you for the works you've done in the body, that that you'll have those things you've dealt with them down here. And so there won't be as much burned off of you up there. How many of you'd rather have me cut it off of you with the word down here than have Jesus burning off of you with the fire up there? Huh? Better. You know what I'm saying? And, but when you do that, even if you do it with a fine scalpel, people don't like it a lot of times. But I've always tried my very best to have grace and truth. Now, listen to me. I don't mean to be judgmental, but I have to tell you, tell you the truth of it. There's look, just 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 look at any pulpit. I get in trouble for this every single time, but it's but it's the truth. So I have to tell you. If you have a, a man or a woman stand in a pulpit, I don't care how big the church is. I don't care how many television stations are on. But if all now listen here, if all they do all the time, all, all the time, all, say all the time, all the time of all they're ever doing is preaching grace. They are not sent from the presence of God. Period, game, set, match. I won't take it back. And I've had people leave the church, this church, because I've said that. Now, you can preach truth and, and without grace. Didn't the Bible say uh, uh, that we should speak the truth in what? In love. So, and, and that's, take the machete. You can take the machete and just preach the truth and just cut, whack people up. Just chop them up. That's not what you should do. I've had to learn not to do that. And there's been times where I've preached the truth without as much grace as I should have had. But we've changed. And isn't glad? Aren't you glad we can change and we can grow and develop? And, and, and so I've, I've tried to keep the grace and the truth balanced and preach the truth with the grace of God. I had one lady come to me some time ago. And this is years back. And and I had preached a message where I had stepped took. The, you see, you don't want me as a man stepping on your toes. That's not good. But if I take the word of God lovingly and step on your toes, then you ought to be glad that, that the Lord had me step on your toes because Jesus heals toes. Is that right? Some people don't want their toes stepped on ever. And I'd preach a message about, you know, I don't know what it was on that day. And this lady got me at the door and she was mad. I mean, she was mad as a wet hornet. And she said, how dare you challenge me with the word of God? And I said, well, it's the word of God. I don't care what it is. She said, when I come to church, she said, I work a long, hard week. And when I come to church, I want to be uplifted every single time. 
And, and I said, but, but ma'am, I said, but look at the last three weeks. I taught on the grace of God the last three weeks. And then and then before that, I taught on, I don't know, the love of God, the compassion. And, and so I said, I've had about 10 messages where it's just been been uplifting. And and and, and this one, yeah, I'll admit it was a little bit it was a little bit stern, but it was all scripture. She said, I don't care. She said, I she said every and I'll never forget she said, every single time. Every single time. I want to be uplifted every single time. And she said, if you don't uplift me every single time, I'm not ever going to come back here again. And so I haven't seen her from that day to this. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? You're allowed to say that's sad. So you judge me. Has this pulpit been a balance of grace and truth? I, I think it has. I'm not perfect. We've done the best that we know how. Number eight. The financial needs of the church are funded and met with people willingly giving tithes and offerings. No begging for money. And I, I don't even have to ask you. I know that's a check. Have I ever begged anybody for money? Not one, not one single time. Have I ever come to anybody and said, we need you to step up on your tithing? And get? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Won't do. I'll shut this place down and put a chain on the door before I talk to anybody about money, tithes, and offerings. Money, tithes, and offerings, that's between you and God, not between you and me. And if it ever gets between you and me, then you need to keep your money. Did you see? Did you hear, hear what I'm saying? It's between you and God. And I don't care if one of you put a, gave $100,000 to the church. You know what? You'll get your same thank you in the statement at the end of the year. You mean you wouldn't call me on the phone? and uh, No. Because it's not between you and me, it's between you and God. And if you, Do you want me clapping for you and that's all you get? Or would you rather get a great reward that's eternal from the Lord one day? See, it's between you and God. Yeah, but if you don't just give me the grace, Pastor, in your preaching, then I'm going to stop tithing. Well, stop. It's between you and God. I'm going to preach grace and truth. You see what I'm saying? In your tithing and giving, that's between you and God. And you know, this church, we've never had any financial lack in 20 years. We've always had enough money to do what we've needed to do. I've never had to get up one t- time and, and, and ask for money. The only time I've ever asked for money, if it's for a missionary or for a special need for another ministry or something like that, not one time for this ministry, not one, not one time. Is that wonderful? And we've never had, I've never had to lay my head on a pillow one night wondering, are we going to have enough money to do what we need to do? And that's because we've got a good bunch of believers who are disciples who tithe and give. And you know what? We've never done a fundraiser where we need to do a fundraiser to get money to do something. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Now, we've done fundraisers. We have done them to help like the youth go to camp and stuff like that. But in, in most of those cases, any of the kids that come here regularly, if they wouldn't have had the money, we'd have paid for them to go. Do you understand? We, we have them do the fundraisers because kids need to do some things themselves and earn money. If you just give kids everything, then they don't really appreciate Appreciate it as they should. Did you hear what I just said? But but and we don't have we don't have chicken fries, chicken cake walks, bake walks, all that foolishness. Now, there's nothing wrong doing that for certain things, but for the general running of the church, realize say tithes and offerings. That's how it works. Did you hear me? So we've done that. Number nine. And he gave a scripture on that, and, and there's many that we could give on. Number, he said, let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And we have people with willing hearts. Number nine, there's no petty disputes and grudges among the people of the church. No strife of any kind. And I can do that right now. Now, right now, I can put a big check mark on that one. But over the years, I couldn't always do that. I talked about that group five years ago. I mean, this place had gotten to the point on Sunday mornings, I couldn't hardly even drive to this church. I felt like I was driving to my own funeral on Sunday morning. The atmosphere, you know the atmosphere can be charged with faith and, and love. Did you know the atmosphere can also be charged with doubt and unbelief and yeah, 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 to the point you don't even want to walk in the door. And I'll tell you what, I'm not... Going off on those people, I mean, God bless them. I don't even remember all of whom, all of them, who they are. But I know the atmosphere back in that time, it was just, it was just ugly. Realize that ugly. Oh, it was ugly. Spiritual atmosphere is ugly. This is bad. Just bad. And so we have fewer people now than probably we've ever had. But thank God it's beginning to grow again and it'll grow and it'll be healthy and it'll be, it's always been, been healthy. But five years ago, it wasn't very healthy. <laughs> Thank God that it's healthy. Real loud say it's healthy now. I love coming here now because there's no petty. That's all gone. Thank God. No strife. Do you know the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must not, must not strive. And the Bible says where, there, where there's strife and envy and all that, there's, there's every kind of evil work. Remember that? So I love coming here now because we all love each other, walking in love, and, and it, it's real good. And those folk, you know, the thing that I've learned in 20 years of ministry, I've learned so much. But one thing I've learned, there's some people you want to help them, but you just can't help them. They just, they just won't let you help them. They, you get down on your hands and knees and try to, try to, you know, talk to them and reason with them. And they're just not going to, they just go their way. Isn't that sad? And then finally, the church takes care of each other well, and we've seen that. Nor was there anyone, the book of Acts said, among them who lacked. And I've watched this over 20 years. We have people here that we, we take care of each other well. And, uh, and so uh, when people are in the hospital, we visit them. We, we're there. And, and uh, we, we, we do what we, we need to do. So all things considered, I would say this. I'll close right here. If success is measured on sheer size alone, you better listen to me here now. Because this, this, this is not a cop-out. This is the God's honest truth. If success is measured on sheer size alone, you see, a lot, of, a lot of people will look at size. Just That's all they look at. And if there's, if there's you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming, then it's got to be God, it's got to be right. Not necessarily so. Not if, there's, not if there's some poison coming across the pulpit. Hear what I just said? If success is measured on sheer size alone, we are not as successful as one might like. But if success is measured on development of character and the things we've talked about today, then we are very, very, very successful. So be encouraged. There's good days ahead. Stand with me if you would. Um, Speaking of taking care of one another, two things. Lucia George, she had surgery yesterday. She's doing just fine, doing wonderful. We were up there to see her, doing great. And she'll be coming home soon. And she, I, I would like you to send her a card, just a get well card or a recover quickly card. And her address is on the connections 